Okay, hello and welcome to the HGA Book Club. I'm Summer O'Toole. I'm a romance author. With me is my best friend and co-host, Kelsey. Hello, everyone. And our guest today was the most lackluster hello. Oh, was it really? Uh, I thought I was being chill. I can't do it. <laughs> no, it's fine. And with us is Tate from Floximp on Instagram and Book Talk. And we're going to be talking about series that have us in a chokehold. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Am I supposed to talk right now? Is this, is this what? No, you, no, that's good. Okay. You're good. Let's keep going. Oh, yeah. I, I always forget that to give the, the pause so the guests can be like, hi. No, you, you're shoving them in yeah. like the back corner of the room. You know, it's like they're not really <laughs> the important ones right now, you know? It took how long for <laughs> Summer and I to even figure out for her to give me a pause to say hello like probably 10 episodes so don't yeah. it's the summer show for a little while you know kelsey was just <laughs> this is the adorable sidekick right That's along for the ride <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we're gonna talk about our weekly hots and i'll go first mine is short and sweet i went to a wedding this weekend in North Carolina for my cousin and it was the first gay wedding I went to. It was super fun. They were two brides and it was just a bundle of fun seeing all my family and dancing away and I think I may have gotten COVID so we'll be we'll be playing that by ear. (laughs) But I did test negative this morning so that's my that's my weekly hot is that I tested negative so far. <laughs> You're so turned on by that negative like test. Oh, yeah. Yes. Negative for COVID baby. Yeah. <laughs> Kelsey. Okay. So this weekend I went on a date And I haven't been on a date, like a real date in like a hot minute, you guys. Like I had honestly given up on dating because we all know that like Mr. EMT was in my back corner. So I was consistently being satisfied by life, but a date just kind of like dropped into my lap. And then you went to, got a date from the In-N-Out drive-thru and he turned out to already have a girlfriend. Yeah, we didn't need to bring that up. Oh, right. (laughs) Well, that was probably a reason why you were like, no longer trying there was flags which is why the date never happened as well let's not forget about that yes we dodged a bullet there but this person at least to my knowledge does not have a girlfriend (laughs) I mean yikes way to put that in my mind but let's just let's focus on the positive I went on a date you guys started at 6 p.m ended at 2 a.m oh I'm exhausted just we're in love we're in love now I don't know what we are I also was like I was like this is a date right this is what I was telling myself as I was driving to the restaurant and then like for the first like three hours I was like this guy has absolutely no interest in me past being a friend like no touching nothing like it was just like like minimal eye contact I was like okay so we're friends like that's cool we're driving nervous he's a little he's a little nervous shaking Mm -hmm. in his boots you know what, Tate, maybe that was it. Maybe I was just like missing up on that. Was he wearing boots? Was he wearing what? Boots? Was he wearing boots? No. Semantics, Summer, semantics. He was wearing Sperry's. Oh, oh. 
but he is a firefighter. Well, it, it was a good like. Okay. Oh. Oh. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So um, he's a firefighter. Well, it, it's a high. It's probably like fifty-fifty that he was wearing cowboy boots. Yeah, with where I live, that is a solid fifty-fifty. But no, he was wearing like slacks and this cute pink dress shirt and Sperry's. I wasn't mad about it. He gives off like major by energy. When I saw him last, oh. he was wearing like this like daisy print short sleeve button down that he got from Target. And I was like, I'm into this. I matched my like daisy print skirt. We just were, nice. we were matching one day. Anyways, this turned into a ramble. Oh, also my other weekly thought is I got pink hair. So it's hot. Very good. And oh, it's yeah. not really pink, it's hot pink. Yeah. I am officially a hot girl. Yeah, but it faded now to like, the, I feel like the color you wanted, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> are you going to put the dye like in your conditioner to keep it vibrant? Or are you just going to let it fade out? No, I'm going to do that. Last When I did it last week, it we were in a hotel, so we ran out of conditioner to dilute it. So it was just like straight dye and it was very magenta but now it's kind of like a cute bubblegum and Kelsey went on a date he was wearing Sperry's and also a pink bubblegum shirt and let's hear about the date I think Tate has <laughs> realized that he was nervous for the first two three hours we went to two other bars one other bar and then my friend accidentally crashed it so like we're on a date and then my friend all of a sudden walks in and he texts me being like hey where are you downtown and I'm like I'm out like I'm purposely being vague because I'm like I don't know what's happening with my date like maybe it's going to be successful maybe not like I'm going to keep you on retainer just in case the day the night goes awry the night did not go awry he ends up walking into where we are and I wave at him because he's all by himself so I'm not going to like leave a friend stranded so then he comes over and then they start like being best friends and now I'm like okay so my date fully got crashed and then Another friend is hitting me up being like, hey, where are you guys at? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this just turned into a date where we're all going to go hang out with my friends. So that's what we did. We just ended up hanging out with my friends. And then we like, we went to another bar, but it was my dancing bar. So I like went home and I changed and I did a full outfit change. This is the first time I've done a full outfit change on a date. And then I arrived to the next bar, fully outfit changed. And I felt a little bit like a badass or like I was at a wedding and I was like, this is just my outfit number two, just to wow you guys. But I couldn't bar without my cowboy boots. And I was wearing a dress that my tits were spilling out of all night. Like I wasn't about to dance in that or giving someone a show. I did get a very out of breath voice message as Kelsey was sprinting up the steps to her apartment for the outfit change. She said, Summer, you may be wondering why I'm talking like this, but I'm on a date and my boobs are spilling out. I can't be doing a dress, dancing in a dress with my boobs spilling out. Anywho, I gotta go now. I'm running down. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now I'm at my second location. And as soon as I walk into the door, changed outfit and all, he immediately like speed walks towards me, scoops me up into a giant hug, like, like bone breaking, beautiful, connective hug puts me down and I'm like whoa first off way to recognize me with my outfit chain like <laughs> 10 out of 10 you really just spotted me second off why were you running I'm confused were my friends that scary because I left you alone for a few minutes with that <laughs> and then third of all he puts me down and who do I make immediate eye contact with sugar daddy stop stop no stop where I- why was sugar daddy at your apartment complex 
no, no, no. This was at the bar. This was like after I'd made the outfit change, I arrive at the next bar. Oh, I thought he like drove you to apartment change. No, I drove myself. I'm a big girl. Okay, gotcha. Wow, uh, that's fun. Yeah, it was a twist. It was definitely a twist. I'm trying to like figure out where this is about to turn into the weekly hot. At this point, it's just story time. <laughs> we're, tw- we're 24 minutes in. It's just a story at this point. <laughs> it was a fun night at that point. I mean, it was continued to be a fun night. The rest of my friends showed up. I danced with my date. I danced with my other friends. My date really needs some dancing lessons, but he had the spirit. So we appreciate someone who has the spirit. That's for sure. And then there's some other things, but because I'm rambling at this point, we'll just say that the night ended with some spicy stuff, some <gasps> spicy stuff. And uh, maybe I'll get into it another day, but I've already rambled too much. So <laughs> it was some good spice, some fun spice. I feel like we need a new segment that's like Kelsey's dating column update life and then our weekly hot. And then I can really just like jump to the end and be like, by the way, we banged. And he gave me a massage in the middle of it. You know, like it could just be two different columns. That is what happened. But that was, that was going to be my story was that we were like making out and he was giving me a massage at the same time. And I was just like overwhelmed because I really needed a massage. I really need a massage right now. I feel like I got ran over by a train. Anywho, sorry. We are back on track. (laughs) Are we? (laughs) Yes. Tate, Tate, what's your weekly hot? Please my weekly hot? I, so my reading habits have been like really not working this month. Just like I've read very less books than I, is that, a, I can't speak. I read very less books than I did like in previous months, but I started, I'm going to talk about this series, whether you want me to or not on <laughs> this podcast, but book two of the Alvester Penitentiary series, it was like MMF, right? And there's like a big scary officer from the first book. And I don't know what I was expecting in the second book, but there was just like an ungodly amount of pegging in this book. And that was, <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. That was my weekly hot was just surprise pegging. That was it. Actually, just cut out everything else. Just weekly hot surprise pegging. We can continue. <laughs> I gotta put I gotta put a pause. I gotta put a pause here. Someone define pegging for me. So that way it's exactly this is not this is not a pause. We're keeping this in. Okay, <laughs> you don't know what pegging is? I'm like 98% sure that I do. Okay, like, actually tell us what you think pegging is. No, that's too embarrassing. You no, tell I would love it. It. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is good content. What do you think pegging is? I thought pegging was like male male sex, but just like surprise male male sex like more on the surprise end. But you guys are giving me faces that I'm just so wrong. So tell me what it is. Um, My sweet, sweet Kelsey. You pure cherub. I'm I'm actually shocked right now. (laughs) I am too, because I really do know things. So I don't know why I don't know this. Okay. But I'm Um, a different education moment. Miriam Webster uh, textbook definition of pegging. <laughs> <laughs> I I consider pegging pretty much as when a female wears a strap and fucks the guy in the ass. 
that is pegging but some people it can be kind of like some people I've seen like eyes on me just came out and there's like a scene where she puts like a plug in his ass and people are like oh my god that's the pegging scene but like no like a pegging scene is where like she's fully mounting this motherfucker and she's got a strap and it's in his asshole so does that satisfy (laughs) your (laughs) urge to know what pegging is no it's definitely helpful I just always like in my brain I just labeled that as oh that's when a girl wears a strap on and fucks a guy like that's just how it was always defined in my brain but now there's a word for it properly attached to the action so thank you for that the the surprise element was only in my weekly hot of just I wasn't expecting it and then I was like oh hell yes motherfucker I'm obsessed (laughs) I love a nice dawn moment that's so lovely perfect Oh, education. We love it. Mm-hmm. You were like halfway right with like something phallic going into a male's butthole. That was part there. Kelsey's into it. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm into knowing more. Would I? Would I peg someone though? Is now the question that I'm asking myself. The answer is absolutely yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> she is into it. That was <laughs> now that I've thought about it. Yeah. I would totally do that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Team pegging. <laughs> well, while there isn't any pegging in the books that we're going to talk about that I know of, is there pegging in Akatar? There's not pegging. Not. Okay. <laughs> I don't think there's ever been pegging in the history of trad published books. Yeah. Find one. That's a that's a rule thirty four. If you think like anything that you think of like can exist and it will exist it's just the thing like if you think something wild has happened it most likely has happened and so I'm sure there has been at least one pegging scene inside that entire Barnes and Noble I will find it yeah (laughs) (laughs) report back for us the books we're talking about today are the Royals of Forsyth University by specifically the first three books, Lords of Pain, Lords of Wrath, Lords of Mercy, by Samantha Rue and Angel Lawson. And it's just a beautiful, fucked up, twisted, bully, college, dark, reverse harem that Tate recommended to me. And then I consumed it in way faster than I've ever read any books. And it became a part of my identity. Yes. <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> and Kelsey, you read? I read A Court of Thorns and Roses, the first four books. I have not managed to get my hands on the fifth one. Because I'm waiting for the library to send it my way. Impatiently, might I add. <laughs> Very impatiently. The other four books my friend had on paperback, so she just kept giving them to me. And I felt so lucky because I'd be like, by the way, I'm ready for the next one. She'd be like, swing by and I'd be there in 10 seconds flat. <laughs> like, I'm already outside. Can we can we trade? <laughs> That's what this is. This is this your downstairs neighbor? No, this is a neighbor literally cross town. <laughs> oh, okay. I'd be texting her. I'd be, like, I'd be like, can I can I get the next book? And like I would send that text, get in my car and expect her to say yes. So I was driving to her house and then she'd say yes. And I'd just be like, by the way, I'm outside. And she'd be like, what the fuck? And I'm like, dude, you know what this series did to me? And she's like, it did it to me too. So 
Yeah, that's my, I don't know. That's how I'm advocating for this series. You should read it. I love it. Well, I have not read it yet. And it's like what Book Talk was founded on. Mm-hmm. And I follow a lot of artists on Patreon. And I'd say a good 75% of their art is Akatar or like Crescent City by Sarah J. Mass inspired. So I feel like I know all the characters, but not not necessarily like the canon tale. So Kelsey, give us a brief spoiler-ish free rundown of the overall plot, the elevator pitch, if you would. Okay. There are fays and there are humans. Feyre, because that's how I'm going to say her name because everyone says it differently, but Feyre is a human. She is providing for her family. Her family used to be rich. Now they are poor. She's the only one of her family who can hunt. Therefore, she's always spending time in the very dangerous forest between the Fey and the non-Fey lands, and she she hunts. She keeps her family alive. One day, she manages to shoot a giant wolf that she thinks might be Fey, and if it's Fey, she'll have broken the treaty because Fey and humans do not intermingle. That is highly illegal, and it's how they got into a war before. So now there is a treaty in place with the wall being like, do not mingle. However, she's hungry, and she was scared for herself, so she shot this wolf and managed to sell the pelt and I don't know if she I think she might have just sold most of the meat too etc etc all of a sudden her door gets busted down in the evening by another wolf by another wolf and this wolf then turns into a human who is a high lord we later find out his name is Tamlin and Tamlin is like you owe us your life like you shot one of my sentries and therefore like you owe me a debt you owe me a life and she's like don't hurt my family like I did not know if I had known I would never have done it like we were just trying to survive so Tamlin ends up basically abducting her from her home to be like you can either like go into my lands and be a wilding like be free and hopefully you stay alive with all of our scary creatures or you can be a guest in my home and she's like this sounds really sus but she goes and she's a guest in her home guest in his home so slowly but surely there is a romance that develops between the two of them and that's the first part of book one later on what happens is the world starts falling apart the world is built by something called the cauldron the world starts falling apart and Feyre needs to save it lo and behold (laughs) he gets tied up between Tamlin from between this other guy named Reese. If you ever had a spoiler, Reese is a big name. That's also going to be coming up. And then she like has to do all these crazy tasks, blah, blah, blah. Lots of shit goes down. She's basically just like the most badass human that she can be. And uh, some crazy business happens that I'm not going to spoil. And then we jump over to book two. And book two... She is now spending more time with Reese than Tamlin, which is very odd because at one point she was like engaged to Tamlin, but now she's spending time with Reese because there's a blood, there's like another dead. So the way that the deads show up is like on tattoos on your arm. And she had to take this like debt in order to save her life at one point in book one. And the debt is basically like with Reese and Reese is like, all you have to do to like uphold your end of the bargain is like every three weeks you need to spend a week with me. For the rest of your life and she's like oh what the fuck but like i i guess 
So they start spending time together. Yes. I mean, I mean, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely how it should have been toned because Reese, you guys, he is from, oh God, the Court of Night. Yeah, the Court of Night. And just so, he's so fine. I came in, he's just, he's, he's the cream of the crop. He's the cream of the crop. Okay, so I'm going to get, that's as much as I'm going to say in terms of like plot line because it gets real crazy and I'm going to give away spoilers, but I will say that the world building is phenomenal. Everyone has magic. If you're a fae or if you're a high fae, the world is filled with magic and they literally, they all live on the same continent, but there's just this wall between them dividing the magic from the non-magic. So imagine like dark ages versus, I was about to say light ages, not even a thing, dark ages with the humans versus like high fae's who have like balls of light in their castles and who live beautiful lives and they also have to fight a bunch of monsters because we know that with good magic comes bad magic it was just like it was the fantasy series that I needed that I didn't know that I needed after falling in love with Harry Potter as a child it was the adult version because there is sex and thank god for that because I was getting far into these books and I was like where is the smut as much as I'm in love with the fantasy like I need a balance considering that all I read now is smut. So there is some smut. There are some moments that it fades to black and I'm like, WTF, why'd you do this to me? Because that ain't cool. But as you get farther along in the series, there's less fading to black. And I heard that the next book, the fifth book is like basically all smut and there is no fade to black. And I cannot freaking wait for that. (laughs) I'm ready to, I'm ready to add an anecdote about the series. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm so ready. Okay, so I don't know if you talking to Summer and me about this is the best choice because there's history with me in this series. So are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready for this? Oh, I am. Um, Background on me, when I was in high school, I was a booktube girly. TikTok did not exist yet, okay? So I was, you know, I was watching people, maybe for people that are listening, they'll, I don't think either of you, I don't know when you got into reading, so you might not know who these people are, but big names in the booktube community, Sasha Alsberg, Extine May, Pulling Bananas books, like all, you know, just people like this that were reading primarily YA at this point. This is before the first book of Akatar is released. So... We are reading YA at this point, lots of Shadowhunters. I think the second um, or the third series in the Shadowhunters world is coming out, The Dark Artifices. So at this point, most scenes were fade to black in this universe of what we were reading. I think like we were reading maybe like a couple of people had, this is before it ends with us, okay? Into like before 2016, before it ends with us came out. So we had like read Ugly Love and that was the extent of smut in our world of <laughs> in this community, right? <laughs> So Akatar comes out. Sarah J. Moss has released Throne of Glass. Throne of Glass, there's no smut in Throne of Glass. I think it's all like fade to black. So that is what we know of Sarah J. Moss. And when Court of Thorns and Roses comes out, I think this is like a good point is that we all believed it was, what is it? A Beauty and the Beast retelling. And pretty much the first book follows suit to that as a Beauty and the Beast retelling for the most part. But so like the, in the first book, there's a little bit of spice you get like, and it's pretty YA, but this is kind of revolutionary in our world. He eats the bitch out. Okay. 
in a YA book, Tamlin eats her out. Okay. I don't fucking care if that's a spoiler. You need to know. And I'm telling you, I read these books when I was 14, 15. Okay. Cause we all believed they were marketed as YA. Like it's Sarah J. Mass. We had only Throne of Glass to go off of. And it was also like, we just weren't as into smut as we were. I think it was still spicy as a word was not really like a word back then it was all just like oh it's erotica romance we weren't really going in that direction Mm -hmm. so with the throne of glass series he eats her out and that was like a big thing like we all were like what the hell did we just read (laughs) (laughs) and we loved it okay we were like this is really good so i remember being 15 and my mom had also read the first book we had gotten it from the library and on the release day of A Court of Mist and Fury, my mom drives my 15-year-old ass to Barnes & Noble. You know it, right? And we get the chunky-ass boy, A Court of Mist and Fury, and we're like, I see, it's a release day, right? So everyone's there like, yay, like the OG <laughs> Akitar people are there getting this book. And it's on the YA shelves, like everything is good, everything's good in the world. I'm reading it, bitch. I read this shit in like a fully a day, okay? Yep, 15-year-old me. virginal never like made out with a boy before right I get to the scene in the the tavern or the cabin and I swear to god I started sweating bullets I have my little I have my band posters on the wall you know I'm just I'm having I'm having a full panic attack at this point my pussy is sopping wet okay like like, let's not lie okay and anyway you we read this book and I was terrified because my mom is reading this series too I was terrified my mom was going to like take this up. So after I finished the book and I was like, that changed my life. I was like, I love sex. I love sex now. <laughs> it's official. I'm into sex. And so my mom decides to like go pick up the book. And I was like, mom, no. I was like, you can't read this one. And she's like, why? I don't know, like, it just gets a little, I probably, for a lack of the better, like, word, I don't know what I said, but I was like, it gets a little spicy, like, I don't know how my mom is going to do with that. Mm -hmm. She reads it anyway, and I remember her knocking on my door and coming in, and (laughs) and she's like, we need to have a talk, and so she sits me down, my little freshman high school ass, and she's like, listen, I know, like, it's okay for you to read this, like, I don't care, but I need you to know it's not like this in real life. she was like like, I honestly like she's like this is fine to read but at the end of the day like this shit is like the way that it's written I'm like just don't get your hopes up (laughs) and I was like I was like mom what the hell and I was like it's fine I think my mom was probably just trying to deter me like my but that's so funny because I'm like this little bookworm kid right she's like trying to deter me from like going out and fucking the nearest guy I'm gonna like meet like at 15 because I read the like Akamoff smut like anyway that turned into a big ass tangent I'm so sorry but it needed to oh I love it so that was my brilliant. memory of the series is not quite like there because again I like read it as it was coming out like as a teenager and now I'm 21 like and so it's been six years and I just know that my teenage ass was fucking blown out of the water I was <laughs> and that was like it was a big turning point also for new adult because new adult at the time was basically Colleen Hoover I'm not kidding you. You go and look up a new adult book wreck at the time in like 2015, 2016. All you would get was Colleen Hoover because she's the only one writing it. And like writing basically books that could be considered like literary fiction and not just romance. Like they were in the fiction section if you went to Colleen Hoover, they weren't in romance. 
And so anyway, it was a big turning point also for the publishing industry because a lot of people were reading this book and they're like, oh my God, we need another genre. Are you kidding? Like, so anyway, sorry for that tangent. Here we go. <laughs> oh, no, I loved that. Mm-hmm. Me too. It was a good history lesson. Because I just know it as the book that everyone references or the series that everybody references and that has a very ambiguous spicy label like I was at a bookstore this weekend in this small little southern town and you know how like workers will leave their recommendations or their little thoughts on books and this one was like this series is spicy (laughs) and I'm thinking you know, the first thing I did when I walked in the door, I said, do you guys have a romance section? And they said, no, it's all kind of in with the fiction. So I'm thinking, okay, do they know what spice is? Are we talking like a little cracked black pepper? <laughs> and because every there's been like, I don't know how many TikToks I've seen where people are like, I don't trust somebody that says Akatar is spicy or like some people are like, oh my God, this book is so hot. And then other people are like, that book had like one kiss. Clearly there was cunnilingus. So that, you know, ups the ante. But I just noticed this very ambiguous fat series that everybody's obsessed with. I will say that like there could be more smut. There could absolutely, it's much more heavy on the world building and the plot line than it is on the smut. I disagree with you, Kelsey. I disagree. I'm gonna come out here with a with an argument. <laughs> Are you gonna bring up wing play? Because if you no. bring up play, that would be the <laughs> argument. No, it's I don't the thing is, is this book, honestly, from my history lesson, it wasn't written for I'm not like it wasn't written for romance readers. Like it wasn't written. The point mm. of the book is not the spice. And I honestly get kind of like people this like idea of fairy porn I've seen like another thing come out but it's not the point of this series even when it was written and when it was published it was still under the guise of YA and so even though and I still honestly I think when I read it it was absolutely perfect there's lots of like semantics we could get into about like the age that it's appropriate to start reading certain books I don't believe in censorship I think you can read whatever you want but I think with this series, like, it's important to realize that, like, while romance is one of the overarching plots, the spice is not. The spice is a little twinkle on top that you get, and I think asking for more would take away, like, a main, main chunk of, like, the book and the purpose of the books, if that makes any sense. No, I so agree with you. I so, so agree with you on that. I just felt like it was really important to stress that it wasn't as much smut as I usually consume, considering- That we are on a HEA smut heavy podcast. Of course. But no, I definitely agree with you that if it was, if there was more smut, it would absolutely take away from the plot, considering that the books themselves are at least a solid two to three inches thick. And I think when you read A Court of Silver Flames, you'll get a general vibe of this that like Sarah J. Moss was influenced by. Like, it's almost, I hate to say it, I loved A Court of Silver Flames, but right, like, when she wrote A Court of Silver Flames, she's writing to a new audience, right? And so, because she has all these new readers, and a lot of them are romance readers, and so, of course, she added more sex, she added more spice, but at the end of the day, because of that, the plot suffers in A Court of Silver Flames a lot, and most people agree with that fact that this book is, like, 
the only good parts of it are really the spice and I really I really enjoy that book like don't get me wrong but you might see like a strong difference in the terms of like how well the plot is thought out because I feel like she succumbed to her new audience so it's something just thoughts to think about those have good thoughts though I'm definitely going to be keeping that in mind so I feel like at this point we've gotten a lot of really good I mean minus Summer who hasn't really read it we've <laughs> taken I still don't know if I'm going to to be honest there is some dark romance in it even though it is originally YA like there's definitely a lot of darker themes that I think you would appreciate is it necessarily okay Tate is laughing her ass off right now on mute because my (laughs) version of dark and Summer's version of dark are different but I still think that you would appreciate some of it on the darker side am I going to label it a dark romance never I could never do that however I think there are some dark themes that you would appreciate Mm -hmm. Okay. But yeah, tell us about your books. I feel like we just, we covered my series pretty well right there. Yeah. Well, if we want to go into dark romance, this is the book to talk about. It is, I think, the most fucked up book I've ever read. A extremely blanket, large, blaring content warning. The majority of... The first book is non-con, dubious con, dub con, which stands for consent. So there is really just like, this book is so fucked up on so many levels. And I'm I'm literally crying. Yeah. (laughs) fucking crying. Because Kelsey's talking about like Akitar having dark themes. And then we're going to talk about this literal non-con book right now. And I fully am sobbing down my face because I hope no one takes Kelsey's like, oh, like Akitar is dark so I can read Forest University because <laughs> we're going to put people in danger. <laughs> I'm fully so- crying. Akitar is like, okay, just imagine like laying in a petal, like in a field of daisies and then like laying on a bed of nails is worth it. <laughs> okay, so just everyone, please take this. <laughs> that's that's my tangent that's why I'm crying and I think Tate prepared me very well for with her disclaimers you know you could tell that Tate loves this series she has her her speech down of disclaimers so I, do. I had read I think that one of the orc romances that I read had somnophilia which is when the person has sex with somebody when they're sleeping typically in romances this is sort of like a pre-decided limit that has been talked about and it's like consent has been given and tate and i are in a group chat with some other book people and i was like okay guys i liked this give me something else and i was really in a rut where i kept starting books and like i was just really craving something super gritty and fucked up that like would really push me and tate was like this series has a lot of that And then she sent me a disclaimer that if you can stomach the first book slash the prologue of the first book, then you're probably going to like the series. But there's a lot of non-con. There's you're going to hate the main character. So the main heroine is Story. And then the three guys in her to be harem are Killian, Tristan, and 
Dimitri Rathborn, but he kind of goes by Rath. So you're going to hate them in the beginning. It is not a, it is a very continuous plot. The first book is, okay, so let's talk about the books, the plots. So basically, you're going to hate them in the beginning, but if you can get through the first book and keep reading, like, it is the most amazing, oh, oh, this is the other thing. I was like, is it spicy? And Tate was like, ah, mm, like, there is a lot of sexual activity, but would you call it spice if most of it is non-con or dub-con? Like, that's another question. Then there's... Yes. <laughs> yeah. on your taste, right? Because if that's more on your kink, then I'd be like, this is the hottest shit I've ever read. Well, I wasn't, it wasn't because of the non-con or dub-con that I said. It was like, so, I mean, I can preface this with the first book. The first book... I think it's okay to say there is no penetration, but there is lots and lots. And there's a reason mm-hmm. for that. Like, we'll get into the plots of the books. But yeah. um, when she asked me if it was spicy, I didn't want to, like, promise, like, just over the top, like, my feet are in the air ramming my cooch. And so, <laughs> <laughs> but the first book does have a lot of sexual activities. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then it was a bully romance which was I was like I don't know if I'm gonna be into bully romance but as we talked about before in the podcast every time I thought I wasn't gonna like a trope and I read it I usually end up liking it and I was like oh is it like a bully romance and you're like "Ah, bully well like she's basically their slave yeah so (laughs) like do we consider this a bully romance (laughs) it's not a mean boy picking on her because she has glasses I feel personally attacked by that. So So yeah, let's get into the plot. The first book is set in this fictional town where the royals of Forsyth, Forsyth University, has these different frats. And it's all a very, like, rich, private, affluent college and town. And each frat has like three or four guys who are at the head of it and they're the lords the barons the princes and the dukes and the counts and the counts counts. (laughs) (laughs) and basically each frat kind of has their personality kind of has their own thing going but as this the titles insinuate this is the ldz frat that has lords and those are the main characters that we follow and in the beginning of the year, each frat's lords or equivalent of the lords picks a lady or a duchess or countess or a princess, etc. And they all kind of have different traditions for their ladies. I have a question. Yes. Lords, ladies, princesses. Are these actually lords, ladies, princesses, etc.? Or is this just the terminology like we talk about frat boys and we call this them is- frat boys? Okay. This is the terminology. So these are like these are like the head honchos of the frats. So like the rest of the frat are called like LDZ brothers or like the LDZ guys. But the three at the top are the lords. As we're just coming from Akatar and Faze and actual lords and ladies, I just wanted to clarify, just in case. Yeah, no, they but they do have like standing in the community and outside of the college, like the the sort of the power 
structure sort of continues post-grad. I mean, you kind of learn more about that throughout the series. Okay. But the story starts because there's a girl named Story. The story starts with a girl named Story. And her mom has married this rich guy who has a son who's a few years older than her named Killian. And he's kind of like the big, bad brute. He's a football player. And when they're in high school, him and his two best friends, Tristan and Dimitri slash Raph, basically corner her in a laundry room and assault her. He like, Tristan makes her give him a blowjob while Raph fingers her and Killian, I think, just like jerks off in the corner. <laughs> so yeah. everyone has a role. Like, Let's not forget that. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why this is like such a catalyst is because Story had been being like kind of a sugar baby slash like chat girl online to get money to run away because her stepfather, Killian's dad, Daniel, had started sort of touching her and sort of insinuating like, you're a virgin, you have to stay a virgin, like you need to be pure and just being overall overall being very creepy and she was like i need to get out of here and her mom used to be a prostitute so she was like if my mom made this work like i'm gonna somehow make this work and knew that was the best way to get fast cash so she was doing everything was digital it was all online but then this thing happens with killian and his friends and she's like okay i actually have to get out of here now and she begs her parents to go to a boarding school and then she starts getting letters from this guy ted who was one of her sugar daddies and he's basically has followed her um and stalked her and she gets scared and then runs away and is kind of living on her own and then ted finds her there again and kills his roommate or her roommate and basically just keep saying like i hope you're so virgin i hope you've stayed pure like just being really creepy and like focused on her virginity and he finds after ted kills her roommate she's like okay the only place i can go to be safe is like back to these boys because they're so psycho and unhinged like that they'll be able to protect me so it's like her last case situation where she can't keep running she has to like find a place where like she'll be protected so she shows up at their the day where they're auditioning or sort of interviewing potential people to be their ladies and all the ladies duchesses etc positions are really really sought after like yes they go through shit but they're like revered among campus so a lot of girls are you know super excited to do it and are very competitive about it so she shows up and obviously the boys are like what and they end up picking her and she does not want to be their lady obviously but she's at like a worst case scenario where this has to happen and she's basically thinking like these guys are psycho they're gonna protect me and if ted comes for me like they're crazy enough to kill him and eliminate the problem so the first book is her being their lady, them, you know, pushing her and challenging her with a bunch of different things. They control, you know, what clothes she wears, what food she eats. And the whole time they're playing a game that's campus-wide and then also within their frat. So campus-wide, there's different points for different things. Like 
stealing something from the library or cheating on tests or just random things like that um, among all the different frats. But then among the lords, there is different points for doing different things with the lady. So things like making her give you a blowjob is five points, like giving her, you know, oral is 10 points. And then like, if she puts up a fight, that's more points, but less points than if she like enthusiastically asks for it. So they're all kind of like playing her in these different ways. And they all decide independently that whoever wins, amongst the lords gets to take her virginity because she's still a virgin and that's what tate was saying about like the first book not having actual penetration but she doesn't know this game is going on and she starts you know each guy has a different approach on how they're going about like wooing her but also not wooing her at all <laughs> there's very few romantic things happening and by the second book she starts is kind of like her getting her revenge on the guys for everything that they did to her let's recap um, let's recap then... the first book quickly ready okay. i i'm gonna i'm gonna go through <laughs> main main plot points of the first yeah. book you gotta look up okay we got story the three guys killian tristan and wrath we'll just call him wrath okay killian yes. think of him as nate jacobs okay okay kelsey can hear it <laughs> okay <laughs> killian think of him as nate jacobs he's just the yes. absolute insano okay tattooed football player we know killian is like kind of obsessed with story kind of he oh, yeah. just he he has this weird obsession with her he this is where the somnophilia comes into play he's been going into her bedroom like late at night when they are still siblings and pretty much like jerking off on her face she does not know this she's like "Ooh, what's that taste in my mouth when i wake up like it's really <laughs> it's really something else and then tristan They're is very deep of, sleeper he is our psychotic, blonde, pretty boy of the harem. He has so much money. He's also been hurt in his past by, like, another woman. And then Wrath is our silent, kind of more, I don't know, he's more gooey than the rest of them, but still, like, not quite there. So the first interaction, they corner her because they find out about her sugar babying, and they basically base fuck her. They do, and she's constantly saying no. So it is a non-con scene. But Wrath does find out that she was wet during it. So it kind of dabbles into dubious. And then kind of the plot of the book, Ted is her stalker, comes in. She's feeling pretty much like worried for her safety, worried because of her stepfather. And so she moves away. But then she's like, oh my God, this guy is literally going to kill me. And so since the lords have this house, she's like, okay, I'll be their lady. They'll protect me. Even if this is like the worst year of my life, I can get into this because I know that they want me, even though they hate me, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that pretty much ensues. They only pretty much take her because she is a virgin and they like can't get that out of their heads that they could like take stories virginity. And so the first book is pretty much just the game of them trying different things to try and get enough points to win her virginity. And she has no clue any of this is going on. The first book has a lot of like non-indubious. There is not as lot of somnophilia as there is in the second book when the penetration does start. But yeah, that's I feel like that's a good recap of the plot of the first yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. And then if if we're to like get into specifics on the second and third book, it kind of would be spoilers. But 
she's still their lady i think through all three books yes. and maybe like half of the third book but the first book is the the shit storm the second book is the shit storm continues while she tries to get their revenge her revenge on the guys so like the first book i almost i'm a I basically almost DNF'd after the first book, not because, like, of any of the triggers or anything like that. I just didn't really, you don't really get the super overarching plot of the stalker until the second and third books. The first book really follows the game and, like, the fight for her virginity. And the second book, when she, I'm just gonna, like, she does find out about the game and clearly she's upset. And she also is really upset about all of the things that they've done to her. So the second book, a lot of it follows her getting specific revenge on each one of the boys. And that is, like, so good because I feel like in a lot of books, when you find, like, an enemies to lovers, I've talked about this with Summer, you find an enemies to lovers or you do something where the woman is trying to get back at the guy for doing this terrible thing. And then it's just like, oh my God, like, that was so fucking stupid. So in the second book, though, she gets literally, like, absolutely just savage revenge on each one of the men. And it does come back to bite her in the ass, but it's really good to watch. And they preface the second book in the prologue or in the author's note at the beginning, just being like, hey, if you were uncomfortable with the first book, the second book is a literal work of nightmares. So don't read it. Like, and it is a work of nightmares. The second two books are terrifying absolutely insane summer talk to me about the third book what would you consider the third book yeah. to be so in the second, wise. yeah so in the second book we have her starting to get her revenge but also her beginning to reveal the reason why she was their lady to begin with why she showed up on their doorstep the whole time they're pretty like suspicious like why she, like she obviously hates us why is she doing this but they're also so caught up on the game and taking her virginity that they're like i don't really care why she's here but they start, she finds out, they find out about the stalker, and the third book is basically, like, the redemption arc and solving the mystery of, like, who the stalker is, who is Ted, and them going from a group of people who torture and abuse and terrorize this girl to her, like, her, them becoming her, you know, like, loving doting boyfriends and it's an arc that like you don't think is possible the whole time I would say that story like it's not really sometimes darker books can have like a case of Stockholm syndrome where the girl kind of just is broken down so much that it happens she ends up falling yeah yeah and there's like little resistance it's basically like she's broken down and then she starts seeing them in a new light but this one she's like constantly fighting the whole time she's incredibly smart she's obviously like dealing with a lot of confusing emotions because she is enjoying like the taboo sexualness of it there's the added taboo of the fact that killian is her stepbrother and yeah it's also not a traditional reverse harem where all these people like kind of get together and they're like woo it's it's it doesn't really feel like a reverse harem until maybe like the last quarter of the third book it really just feels like tate's yeah. a green not a green i i i'm i'm agreeing slightly like the say i no actually i disagree <laughs> because i think one of my favorite things about this series even though i've there's another thing i brought up with summer one of my favorite things about this series, even though it's non-sword crossing, the group scenes in the 
primarily the third book there's a lot of group scenes in the third book have a lot of emotionality and connection and just they are really really good like the way that they're choreographed because at the end of the day group scenes in the author's head have to be choreographed one person is going here one move makes this move and a lot of times I feel like they can fall flat or they're not well done you know it's just oh one in the pink one in the stink here we go and <laughs> with, and with and with Lords of Pain I think both of the women who wrote this book thought them out so well. And also there was connection between the men as the group scenes were happening. You see friendships develop. You've seen just overall character arcs within the group scenes, which is really important. It doesn't feel like a a caricature of a group scene. It feels like there's a purpose to why this is happening right now and why these people are coming together in a specific moment. And it's just a pleasure to read. (laughs) I would agree with all of that. But I think because of all of that, it doesn't feel like a traditional reverse harem. Where it's just like all these guys who show up and they're like, woo, let's all share her. Like they are sharing her because they all have this sick, weird fascination with her. And they're kind of like under a contract that they have to share her. There is definitely like competition and sort of like jealousy between them. But not at a point that it like puts their relationships with each other at stake because they've all been best friends since maybe like childhood or middle school or something so I feel like the like because there's so much like emotion and choreograph and like thoughtfulness on how and why the group scenes happen it doesn't feel like a traditional verse here yeah, no. like, I feel like that was that's a really that's a really you know I mean? strong point and I think that I honestly this might be my favorite reverse harem that's ever been written because it does do that where you don't because it's not again it's not like a couple of guys being like oh we're gonna take this girl it's not like they have like this preconceived notion about what they're all going to be and we're just gonna like I hate honestly in reverse harems that moment that's like you know we're gonna share her and everything's cool because we're bros you know (laughs) and I love I love the realism of them being like we are and this is because it's so dark like she is this girl that is literally our toy and we're playing with her right now and the romance aspect when one starts falling or and the other guy sees it they're like you need to get your head out of your ass like this is like just a toy that we're playing with and so the jealousy comes in there when she starts having emotions for certain guys like summer we need to talk about this scene like later on in the book later I think it's in the second book when the penetration does start she is having sexual relations with one of them and it is non-consensual so to get back to him um, she starts calling out the other guy's names like in her sleep because it's a somnophilia scene so she's like oh like talking and saying the other name and the guy what the hell it's so fucking brilliant that is brilliant Yes, she's such a savage. It's so good. It's, and if you're looking for a book that's like really gonna challenge you in terms of like unpredictabilityness, thinking, oh, they're not, they can't possibly go there, thinking things are getting smoothed over. Cause there is also a lot of back and forth on story's end because in their own way, these guys are all making her fall for them in their own different twisted ways and she is also you know as a virgin and somebody who like wasn't super sexual before is discovering her sexuality in this very non-traditional way and like 
one of the things that I think I'd mentioned to Kelsey before was like when it comes to like what is it that's so appealing about reading these like non-con dub con scenes and a lot of it for me was that there's things like exhibitionism and voyeurism and somnophilia and things that are typically very very taboo so when you take the fact that like oh there's no consent there it almost just gives you more permission to enjoy it because you're not putting yourself through like this moral this moral what you call it like this moral puzzle of trying to justify why you're into this or why is this okay we're just like it's not we're not justifying it and this is i love this about the the books is that the authors and story herself in the books even though i would consider the non-con spicy scene and they are meant to be spicy they are meant to you to be like ooh, even though it is non-consensual and that is just something for you and your kinks it's fictional yada yada yada. Mm -hmm. but in the story what i really like about it is that story and the authors they do not shy away from her realizing that it is rape and her calling it rape Mm -hmm. Uh, and she even confronts the guys she looks at them in the eyes and said you did this to me you know and it is something that they have to get over and have to like kind of even though there is no redemption arc for these type of people in real life I think it is so interesting the way that these characters are not two-dimensional and the way that it's like they are like in the depths of their depravity and yet like we have to see them claw and scratch their way to the light that it's so good like but yeah they do not shy away from the fact of like of what the non-consent is in the books which is really interesting yeah and even though like she's getting off during these scenes like you see her she's still right in the head like she knows what's going on which is so like she's not just like oh okay like and they brush it under the rug she literally is like I know what's happening to me, even though this is happening to me physically in my body, in my mind, these are things that I still see right and wrong. Mm-hmm. That's so cool to hear about, to hear from, you know, an outsider's perspective. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And like, I don't even think, like That's going into revenge it- is so important too, because mm-hmm. It's, I do not think that this book would have nearly been, or the series would have nearly been as good if I didn't see her, like, get to literally be like, I'm going to ruin all of their lives, like, and (laughs) because of what they did to me. And that just makes it so much better, like, because, yeah, like, in your, in real life, like, what would you want, like, your rapist to go through? Like, you'd want to ruin his fucking life, you know? and tear him to the ground like ruin his mental health ruin his social standing ruin everything that's fucking important to him because he took something from you and seeing story do that to do that to them is so ah, it's so satisfying even if the scene is real hot you know that's my that's my two cents on on the non-con yeah it's so good like i don't know how else to say it other than it's so good it's incredibly fucked up but if you want to read something that will like really challenge you as a reader don't read it if you're like just starting dark romance unless you really truly know that you have no triggers at all but yeah and they're the next books in the series cover the different frats so oh very brought something up really important too like maybe non-con is not a trigger for you and this could fall under non-con 
but she did not does not mind it in books one of our our bookstagram friends said that something that did bother her is there is a scene when she is intoxicated so if that is something that you have been through please do not read this book it is not for you right now maybe in the future as a healing mechanism but if you feel triggered by that it's probably not a safe place and we want you to be safe when reading and be good to your mental health since she brought it to my attention, I feel like it's a good point to bring up, you know, because things can yeah. be under umbrellas for triggers, but every once in a while you're going to see one that's like, oh, maybe that needs a specific one because it can go into something. Yeah, definitely. Because unfortunately, so many women have stories very similar to being too intoxicated for consent to be given. And that's a very, yeah. you know, specific situation and does happen in the book. But yeah, I don't know what else to say about the book other than, like, I think everybody... If you're down and dirty and depraved, bestie, get that on your table. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> like, I already want to reread it. I'm yeah. going to be buying it in paperback. The writing is also very, very good. The actual plot is yes. so good. There's the plot, there's the mystery, there's the stalker, there's different elements outside of just like the university world the writing is really really good summer did you call you get all it because i didn't call it did i call it did you call the plot twist yeah i texted you about it like you knew it was coming not from like the very beginning but like before the actual reveal mm -hmm. the hints were there yeah okay 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 well part of the plot twist i'd been calling since like the first right part. right I think that one is fairly obvious, but it's it's kind yeah. of like one that's like meant to keep you off the off the scent trail. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. It's good. You get all different POVs. So all the guys and story. They all have good distinct voices, very distinct personalities too, and very distinct motivations, backgrounds, characters, personalities, all of that. Who's our favorite summer? Who's our favorite? I think uh, you know who our favorite is. Don't you dare say another man's name besides our favorite right now. I will. <laughs> okay, I really, really do love Tristan, but Killian has just like that really depraved, gooey, no! mushy part of my heart. I just, I, you know what? I understand that. I understand that. I'm a Tristan girl through and through. I did love Killian because I love taboo romance and I love stepbrother. Patristian is something else. Oh, also there's a cockworming scene in the second book. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's hot as hell. I always amp that scene up. <laughs> they all also have like their different kinks and like their different, you know, sex specifics. And she really does have an individual relationship with like all of them. Things to look forward to. Rapid fire. Christian being a sex referee between the two roughest sexy people, okay, him guiding them into a softer sexual relationship by literally refereeing and saying, don't kiss her that hard, or <laughs> and him in the middle. Um, cum sharing between the guys, eating each other's cum, hee hee hee. Grabbing <laughs> during a DP scene, the other guy grabbing the other guy's thigh while he's DPing her and being like, I can feel your cock hot as hell so not sword crossing but there's tension 
I was um, gonna say this is sounding wildly like we're getting into much more sword crossing territory. But it's not. It's not relationship when they're eating each other's cum. Not like okay. It's usually like this. Like one from guy, her. Like one <laughs> guy will like come inside of her, right? And then like the other guy will eat her out, like eating his cum out of her pussy. That still seems very sherry to me. It is like that's but I'm saying like the emotion that like it builds up like there's times when they're like in their friendship too there's like there's rocky bits in their friendship and these moments when they like come together in the group scenes like I would say like farther if we got like a book like 10 years down the road they would definitely be like "Ah, I guess you can put it in my ass dude (laughs) but like maybe not now like they're just starting to kind of like get into the vibe of their family or a little family dynamic but Yes, those are some things to look forward to. There was a scene very, very later in this entire storyline where uh, one of them intertwines his fingers with the other guy, like, on her lower back. And even that, I was like, oh, that was like the... Because I, I remember in the very beginning, you had been like, they grab each other's thighs. And I was on lookout for that, but I missed it in that DP scene. I know which scene you're talking about. But I missed it. Maybe. I don't know. Okay, but it could have also, I could have also been reading it, too fast. I, I kind of remember a story being like, oh, okay. Like, I guess <laughs> that's what we're doing now. Like, or I could have been another book. I read too many books to hold it all in. <laughs> it, it very likely could have happened. And they also are all very turned on by the fact of sharing her. So even if they're not, like, sharing with each other sexually, like, they love seeing the other guy back in her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All the spice scenes were also very creative. Very new. I can't. uh, This book was so good. So good. Kelsey, do you Um, have any questions? (laughs) Gives us some words. What are you confused about? I think... Only me reading it is going to help differentiate your guys' definition of this non-reverse harem or this reverse harem versus the reverse harems that I read. Because it sounds like there's so many emotional ties involved while still staying separate from one another. And that just makes me think of Baby in the Night Howlers, like to the 10th. Like it just seems like there's a lot of crossover and like I consider that to be a reverse harem where not everyone is friends with each other and they're not all trying to fuck each other like whatsoever so i'm just the the way that you described that i think i would have to read in order to truly understand it yeah i think that's that's a good that's a good description or even you can bring up you've read lola i'm assuming since yeah you can even bring up lola where there's like platonic relationships within the harem that feel Mm -hmm. pretty strong like a good one is like between rake and wes where they feel like very much like best friends and they could not live without each other and i think it it kind of delves into that territory and it's like okay they all cuddle right now in the bed together because they need to be around lola and it's kind of just like i will do this with my best friend so that we can all cherish the woman and it's the same vibe very nice i enjoyed those books still don't think i'm gonna read yours but i enjoyed my books i don't think you should yeah do not think you should so summer's um, screening books for me <laughs> yeah because it's not just like there's also like a lot of graphic violence in my past that i don't really want to relive at this moment in time yeah yeah no. a lot of 
emotional damage. Kelsey's shaking her head like, okay, thank you all for this rant I had to live through. I will, <laughs> I will be placing this on a back burner for a different time, possibly down the road or not at all. For, for an ever time, unless I'm really feeling like I'm ready to uh, stretch my therapy reign. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me just like totally ruin myself for these next three days. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that, I feel like that's so important. It's something to to say as well if you listened to this podcast. I'm just like taking over. I'm the guest, but I'm taking over. over. You're going to be your new co-host. I love it. I love it. With this take what Kelsey says seriously if you're listening to this if you hear any of this and you say oh my god like they're saying that it's such a good book like all these things and there's a part of me that wants to read it but I have personal struggles that I'm dealing with or things that have happened to me that I'm dealing with and this is going to open a wound don't do this to yourself there's so many other books that you can read that will give you the same emotionality the same harems let's let's actually let's recommend a couple of reverse harems without the triggers that people could read instead of this in case this is not their cup of tea anyone have reverse harems that they love thieves and thorns by scarlet king is a dark romance but it's not this dark at all this is like outside of dark romance this is like next tier of like black hole um, book of nightmares book of nightmares let's take the authors seriously when they say it (laughs) so if you want something dark that still has like a lot of kink sword crossing darker elements some violence thieves and thorns it doesn't on a cliffhanger but roses and revenge is coming out soon two that are a good probably a good fit for people not interested in those other triggers maybe dishonor and distrust by jan wright are their dark motorcycle reverse harems and there is sword crossing if you're interested in that it's also a three guy harem so kind of close dynamics as it was to lords of pain i think also just check the trigger warnings on that because there is some like dark violent things but no non-con i think within the main couplings and then also something that is good suspense-wise, plot-wise, Diver's Heart by K.A. Knight is really amazing. I think it's a four-guy harem. They are all divers, and they are, it's very action-packed, super cool. K.A. Write, Knight writes the most amazing action scenes, and that's something that I love about Lords of Pain is the action scenes and the car chases and the explosives and all of this, like, really, really good, the Samantha Lawson and... I, or maybe I can't remember their names. <laughs> yeah. but she write, they write really good um, action. And I think that same thing for Diver's Heart. You'll see, you'll have your heart racing suspense and the harem is really, really well written as well. Any from you, Kelsey? I think on the sweeter side of life, we have our Omegaverse ones. So like Lola and the Millionaires, part one, part two, Baby and the Night Howlers, Lyric and the Heartbeats. I think it's lyric and the heartbeats. That one in particular is the closest that I can think of that jumps over into the there are like a hint of darker themes. There's some like kidnapping business. There's some like dealing with people who have harassed you in your past kind of thing, but it's taken, it's like a healing journey when you read it. If that's something that's happened to you in the past. So that's more of like a oh, you would like to be interested in these books? Awesome, but you still have not quite hit there with your therapy? Like, read these, see where you're at, and then from that point, 
jump into some of the recommendations that Summer and Tate have given you. It's like your bridging book. Lola's Lola's an amazing healing book as well. If you've suffered any of the things that we've talked about and want a healing story, that is a really sweet one that will take you through a lot of her emotional struggles, but also just have rock star men that are amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And some really nice smut. Yes. <laughs> a little sword crossing here and there. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what I was reading the other day. Oh gosh, I wish I could remember, but it had the best sword crossing in it. I'm gonna have to figure it out. I'll let you guys know once I remember. I'm like really terrible at remembering the books that I read. Their titles. Yeah. And the authors. It's just not a strong suit of mine. I will add that we had a reverse harem episode with Scarlet King way back at some point. We talked about Lily Gold, which Kelsey read, and her books are very like sweet reverse harem, not dark at all and then we talked about thieves and thorns in that one as well and then we talked about mistrust or distrust by gn wright in our motorcycle romance episode with yeah Haley and macy so if you are curious to learn more about those books i'll have them linked in the down below i think we should wrap up because we're at time and i'm also fairly certain i have a fever <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, to wrap up, these books have us in a cold physically, <laughs> like literally and uh, metaphorically. All the links will be down below. Tate, where can people find you on your places? You can find me on TikTok at FlockSimp. Flock as in the Raven Hood series, simp as I'm simping for your Sean Roberts. And then you can also find me at that same handle on Bookstagram. And of course, always just DM me if you want to be friends. I'm here. Let's chat about our favorite books. Brilliant. And so if much you have real-time it. reactions, let me know. Yes. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tate. And uh, we'll see you guys all in the next one. It was my pleasure. <laughs> oh, in the next one, we're going to be doing the Salacious Players Club by Sarah Kate, if you guys want to read along. The first two books are Praise and Eyes on Me, and we are hoping that we will have access to an arc of the third book that is coming out, um, so we can be talking about it on the podcast as well. But other than that, toodles. 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 Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>